We have such a special opportunity and there's nothing that uh, we haven't as a club set out to kind of do at the highest level possible. I mean, I think when any fan sees Centene Stadium, whenever that is, it's going to blow their minds. Welcome to a new edition of the City Voice podcast. I am joined by John Hackworth, who is here for his third podcast. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Pete. It's great to be here. Uh, we haven't had you on since uh, last year. A lot has happened in that time. How are things going for you? Yeah, a lot has gone on um, in a huge way, but uh, so far so good. Uh, I think you see a lot of people that have put a lot of effort into trying to build this club, and you know we're in a great spot going forward. So, all good. I think we spoke. Um, we spoke in your office. Um, a little bit earlier in the year, maybe two, three months ago, and we were talking about um, development and you said uh, you want to develop players but you want to win at the same time. Like, How do you feel you... How, how, where do you feel you are on that mission so far? Actually, I think we're in a great spot. Um, you know, obviously we've won a lot of games so far um, and yet we've still been able to uh, develop players Um when you see guys getting signed from City 2 to the first team, that's a great sign that what we're doing is is truly part of the, the player development pathway. Great. Okay, we're going to talk a lot about City 2, but before we get into that, there is going to be a little bit of a warm-up because people want to get to know you in a little bit more detail. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions, have to have honest answers. Gotcha. Can you confirm or deny that you race gravel bikes? I can confirm that I do race gravel bikes. I like to race bikes in general, but gravel bike uh, racing is a lot of fun. You've raced at quite a high level, right? Yeah, I mean, for being a weekend warrior, uh, yeah, it's it's fun to do, and it gets me out of the, the football world temporarily. Um, it's my go-to to stay fit and just kind of keep my own mental health in, in check. And so I, I try to enjoy it, and when I get a chance to race, it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, favorite St. Louis City restaurant? Ooh, that's tough because there are so many good restaurants here. Um, I'm going to have to go with a little bit of a, like just around where my wife and I go. Um, lately, it's been Nixta. Um, have you ever eaten there? Yeah. It's really good. Uh, but like Lona's Little Eats is a really cool little um, uh, restaurant. Little Fox, um, Shave Duck. I mean, I can keep going, but there's there's too many restaurants in this town not to just kind of uh, be a foodie if you want to. So it's been fun. That's uh, when when we're talking about St. Louis restaurants, you can have as many answers as you want. Okay, best Marvel movie. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, great choice, great choice. Uh, team you like to watch most outside of City Two? Oh, that's tough. Leeds right now would be my choice. Uh, I think Jesse Marsh is doing a fun, fantastic job. You know, we have a lot of connections between our staff and uh, their staff. And so it's just fun to see Jesse uh, doing so well, you know, in the Premier League um, and with young players that I've had, you know, the opportunity to work with, like Tyler and Brennan. It's it's amazing. They're an exciting team this season. Yeah, really it's, it's been fun. So, Okay. I think my sons are going to be really mad that I didn't say Everton because that's the team that we root for. So, um, but they What's might the connection allow... with Everton? Tim Howard back in the day. Yeah. Um, 
when he went there, uh, he gave my sons a lot of swag. And so my kids were little and they loved Tim Howard and they loved getting, you know, autographed stuff, pictures and gloves. And, and so we just kind of, and I had to just fall in love with Everton. So, um, it's fun. I mean, as a national team coach, when a player goes over to a big league or a team, I tend to watch those, you know, uh, teams. So it's, I would say that I don't really have a favorite, but I always get into watching, you know, uh, former players and enjoy that. I think it's fantastic to watch them excel at a high level. Did well against Liverpool the weekend. Yep. Best show on TV right now? Ooh. um, My wife and I just finished watching uh, a little Netflix series called Godless. It was pretty good, so... Don't know if you know it, but base premise. Uh, it's like a western, you know, uh, and uh, I don't want to give it too much away. So if you're interested in kind of a western, a uh, western with some grit to it, um, it's interesting. Favorite band. This is tough for me because I I have a wide range of music that I, I really enjoy, but I would say right now my go to. Especially when I get in the cars, uh, I flip the fish, uh, the radio station fish, and and I just kind of takes me into a whole nother place. So, have you ever played a musical instrument? My mom tried to push piano on me as a kid, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't stick with that. Um, and then she also pushed the violin on me, which I definitely didn't take to. So piano, I kind of regret. Um, and then I tried to dabble in a guitar, but never really got into it. Piano is a nice flex one. Just walk oh, it out, is. Play and like, tune. you know, I mean, Billy Joel, Elton John, these are great, you know, artists and list, loved them all my life. So, again, I'm probably a little eclectic when it comes to my musical choice. Awesome. Okay. Uh, if you weren't a soccer coach, you'd be. Oh, I mean, I'd like to tell you that I was a. a you know, cyclist in the Tour de France or something like that. Um, but, you know, I've probably a little more practical than that. I was planning on going to physician assistant school before uh, this this craze of football madness got in my, you know, uh, into my veins, whether just trying to coach or play. Um, but that was the kind of track that I was on. Right. Best away day in MLS. Wow, there's some good places to visit away. Um, but we were just there a couple weeks ago. I would say Vancouver. Um, in particular, I love hiking and just getting outside. And there's a, a climb, a hike called the Grouse Grind in Vancouver. It's right outside of, of downtown, and it's an amazing um, – it's a tough little – Vin and I did it. Well, maybe Vin didn't do the whole thing, but um, <laughs> his wife Sarah did the whole thing with me. Uh, it was awesome. So, Okay. Um, be, the, the final question I had was secret talent nobody knows about, but that could be gravel bikes. Or I have an alternative, which is fun fact about you that people don't know. Fun fact. Well, I would tell you that I have dance moves, um, but that's probably a very personal opinion because uh, my family, my wife, my friends, they all know it's probably not true, but uh, that's part of liking fish or jam bands, you know, like widespread panic. You just kind of go with the flow of it. So um, I would say a hidden talent of mine is that I, I have a pretty good sense of direction and if I could figure out how to, you know, monetize that, I'd probably be doing pretty well. Um, I can find my way around most places I, I visit, and 
Um, it's always been a little hidden secret of mine. A walking Google Maps. That something, is, that something is a like fun that. secret talent. Okay, right. I feel like we've we've got to know you. Let's get into the City 2 season because it's been pretty exciting. Um, I want to go back to the start. You had to pull together a team that didn't exist. You had to get them playing the City way um, immediately. How did you pull that off? That's a loaded question because there's so many parts to that, Pete. Um, it starts with trying to select players um, and trying to select the right players to come into this brand new team and then implement this style. But I think when you get the blueprint, you know, specifically from Lutz in terms of our style of play, it made the selection of players a little simpler. You know, we knew exactly what we needed to look for in terms of profiles of players. And that did simplify the process. Um, You know, I was in a fortunate position before I came to St. Louis that I was you know, I got to see a lot of players um, at all levels in this country. And so that helped because I had, you know, a network and, and a, if you will, a database that I could go to really quickly to try to find, you know, players that fit what we were looking for here. When you're um, selecting those players and you, you say that you've got a great knowledge of, you know, all levels of players in this country, it, how much of that is that you just watch a lot of football and you're exposed to a lot versus because of the way that you're networked and you hear about players and then you can focus your your attention? I think it's a little bit of both. But, I mean, you know, in 2018, I was the assistant to the men's national team. So I was working with senior-level, you know, national team players. At the same time, I was the head coach of the under-17 national team. So I literally had to have a really good idea of the best young players in the country and the best, you know, senior pros. Uh, you know, then I transitioned to being in the USL championship with Louisville. And now all of a sudden I get kind of, uh, exposed to this second tier soccer in this country while still trying to keep up with MLS and, you know, all the foreign leagues. And uh, to your point, like there was a lot of soccer that is watched in my house, um, much to the chagrin of my wife, but my kids and I love it. And, uh, there's, there's rarely a time when there's not a football game going on in my house. So what do you look for in players? I mean, there's obviously the technical basics, but you seem to get players that go to war for you. Um, like, uh, how are you? How do you identify that when you're looking? Start with character, um, because I think, especially when you're talking about our style, it takes players that that have character that understand the requirements that we're gonna put on them, and you have to be you know, mentally tough to do that. And and I think that if you have a value system that allows you to kind of dig deep, whether that's, you know, in training or in games or just be resilient, uh, I think character is a big factor that we, we need to identify early. And that's where that knowledge of a player pool and specifically what they're like off the field because you can watch a player on the field and and see you know them as a player, but to to know them and know what their traits are, uh, about how they work, what their process is, I think that's invaluable. I don't, I don't know how many teams you've started from scratch, but it's probably quite a, a rarity in the game. Like you seem to have got nearly every name spot on. Like, did did that surprise you or? Are you experienced enough to have like a good feel for the crop? Like, like there's a risk involved, right? Yeah, of course there is. Um, 
But I think, again, we had a good blueprint of the plan that we wanted to implement. That made it easier. And then I think we, we, we look, we were fortunate. We, we brought in players and some players got presented to us and it fell together just perfectly. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it wasn't just me, by the way. You know, our whole staff um, starts with Lutz. And, you know, we worked tremendously hard at trying to bring this pool of players together. And then we were certainly fortunate with some not, – not that we got lucky and, oh, these guys turned up and now all of a sudden they were good players or good people – but just that we were able to get them uh, to come to City 2 and to be part of our club. I think that also says a lot about our, our club, though. You know, there are so many athletes out there um, and people that are interested in what we're doing and how we're doing it that it was attractive um, to people from the start. Your team has been ruthlessly consistent this season there hasn't been like a late surge getting you to the playoffs um it's you've been winning from from game one um tell give give the fans a little bit of an insight to like how do you coach that level like how do you get players to show up every single week um in in that way and, and deliver the points haul that you have so far yeah it's a there's so many parts to it but but the best way to describe it is that you build an environment and culture where there's accountability, where there's responsibility, where there's you know players that can express themselves, and well, we talk about in, in you know around the training facility a lot is that we want everybody to grow. We want them to have a growth mindset. So when you have a setback or a game where you don't feel you perform to the best of your ability, how do you react to that? Well, the best way is to go out the next game. And show that you're resilient, show that you're mentally tough, show that you've, you know, understand how to learn a lesson. And that's just something that we do on a daily basis. Uh, and that transcends, especially if you do it consistently over time. And, and we've been training and, you know, working at this uh, since we got the team together in late January. And so I th- think you see some of that in our, uh, you put it as consistency. And I'm really proud of that. Um I think that's a, a trait of a lot of teams I've coached because um, if you if you have a process that you follow through that you're consistent with, if the demands in training sometimes exceed the demands of a game, you're going to be well prepared. There's a lot that goes into it. That's probably the simplest way to explain it. So let's talk about something that everybody enjoys: goals. Um, City 2 scored 49 goals in 22 games. That's 2.22 goals per game. Only one team um, in our conference has bettered that, and that's Tacoma. Only one team in the Eastern Conference betters that, uh, that's uh, Columbus. Uh, have you been surprised by the output this season when it comes to scoring? It's going to sound uh rather cocky but i'm not surprised by it when when we train and do things um in particular by our principles against the ball the the transition part of our sport means that we're going to have really good opportunities to score and then we have excellent players you know we have quality and when you talk about those two pieces coming together if you can be good in transition if you can unbalanced teams when they're trying to play uh, with the ball and catch them and now go to goal. I mean, it 
it makes sense that we are a, a team that um, gets a lot of chances, and fortunately, we've been finishing a fair amount of them. And we've, we've just been speaking with Bradley Carnell um, about the goal scoring, and you know, one of the things that we touched on was um, the goals have been divided up by fifteen players this season, um, which which seems like a rarity, but even more impressive, five players have scored more than five goals. Like, is that a normal thing? Like, is that something that you that you build into the squad that everyone can 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 have a chance of scoring? Um, it's probably not normal, <laughs> but it's really nice when it happens, and I think that speaks a little bit of about the culture and environment and what we expect of whoever is up next, you know, um, it goes a little bit to your previous point about being resilient. You know, we haven't had to depend on any one player. Um, there's lots of guys that have stepped up. I, I think that the players themselves have relished this opportunity. You know, when, when their number is called, whether that's, you know, they get a ball in the box, they're not afraid, you know, to take their chance. And that's a fantastic, uh, trait for a team to have as a coach, you know, you just love that. Um, makes you look like you know what you're talking about sometimes. <laughs> what um, th- this is asking for an individualized uh, opinion, but I'm going to ask it. Um, 49 goals. Do you have a favorite or a grouping of favorite goals that you've seen this season where you've been like, "Wow, that's high level." Yeah, I have a favorite. Um, we scored a, a little bit of a transition goal against Portland the first time we played Portland. Um, uh, we broke out of the play deep in our defensive third. Uh, Vitor plays a ball um, diagonally across the field. I think it was a keel that got on the end of it and played it back, or maybe it was Kuz. Um, but in the end, Josh Dolan just tucked it away. And it was wonderful and such a fast and fluid uh, team goal that, you know, and it started with us being good against the ball. You know, we were defending. And now we earned that right to attack, and we did it so quick. It was lightning fast, and yeah, that's my f- favorite goal for sure. Awesome. The team has also been pretty good defensively. It's kept seven clean sheets. We've seen some unbelievable defensive performances, but the really eye-catching uh, number is that we've given up the least amount of shots. Um, talk to me about like the defensive structure that you've set up and, you know, how how hard it is to deliver numbers as as good as that in in a, a competitive league? Yeah, it is it is difficult. But you, if we we started this conversation talking about player selection, and Josh Yarrow was the first player that we selected uh, to play for this team, and the minute that Lutz and I started talking about style, I'm like, okay, we have to go get center backs that can deliver this. And that's extremely difficult. And we were very fortunate to be able to get Josh. And not only is he an excellent player on the field, he's an excellent leader. He's the type of person that you would want you know, to, to lead your team. And so then we found Kyle Hebert. You know, and you talk about having two center backs that can play this style and play it at a high level and now putting other pieces around him. I mean, we... We really, um, it's something that we train every single day almost. Uh, and a lot of the, the principles that we base our style on are based on being good defensively. But then you have to have the players that go out there and uh, do it. I think we've 
again, we're fortunate for the quality of some players that we have and the fact that we work really hard at it and we're we're pretty darn good at it. Does it make you proud that um, both of those players um, are moving up? Yeah, I think that goes to your previous point about player development. You know, you have two guys that that took a leap of faith to be with this club at this level that probably had opportunities to play at a higher level this year, but they looked at it as a growth moment for them. You know, they could come here and they could play their way into a MLS contract. And both those guys have done that. And, um, you know, if you are around them off the field, you know that they're as good a people as they are soccer players, which is, again, what we're trying to do uh, with this club top to bottom. And that's really nice to be around. Um, one point of, uh, of intention I wanted to raise with you. Can we read into the amount of red cards this season, John? There's been a few. There's been a few. <laughs> we are topping that table as well. Are we? Uh, yeah, that's not my proudest stat, uh, Pete. But I do think that when you play the kind of style we, we play, y- you are walking that very fine line. Look, we want to be aggressive. And so whether it's a referee's interpretation of what that aggression is or whether it's, you know, uh, just in the moment and another opponent, but we have to live and die by that kind of style. And so uh, we talk about being brave. We talk about, you know, taking the initiative. And sometimes you're going to run the risk of not winning those particular challenges in, in at least the opinion of the officials in the right way. And that has led to, you know, maybe a yellow here or a few reds, as you've noted. Um, but we're not, you know, I, I, it's not like I want to defend that. I just want to say that is part of what we are, you know. And and because of what we do, I would think that, you know, that's part of all the good things we've done defensively. You're going to have these moments where um, a call is going to go against you, or you're going to be late into a tackle, um, or you're just going to be, you know, competing so hard that the emotion of the moment gets away from you. And, um, you know, look, uh, again, not trying to make an excuse, but I think it does go into how we train. We train really hard. You know, we play really hard. And therefore, you know, when it's under the bright light and there's an opponent, sometimes those sins happen. And, and we just have to accept that that's part of it. I mean, maybe this isn't totally linked, but it, it is noticeable that all those players look out for each other on the pitch. Is that is that something that's coached or is that something that just comes from having a good culture? I think it's culture. Um, I, I would love to tell you that uh, that's something that comes from the coach, but I think you know, from our staff, what we've tried to do is bring good people in and build a really strong team. And when you build the relationships of guys that they understand that they want to get each other's back, um, that they want to fight for each other, that they want to compete uh, in every possible way for the collective, you know, uh, success of the group, that's when you see a lot of uh, that that teamwork uh, in all ways come out. And so I, I think that's what you've seen and again there's that's a byproduct of a lot of little pieces of what we're doing um but it's certainly really nice to to coach and be around on a daily basis john you obviously have tailored coaching plans for a lot of the players and without you know revealing too many secrets is there a a player that you've given a, a very specific plan to at the start of the season you've watched them develop into 
the you know the end point of that that journey well i don't know that there's ever an end point um it's just a pathway if you will about where a player starts and and the very individual development plan that we put together for them. It's called an IDP, um, and we do it with a number of our guys. But without giving this young man's name away, um, you know, I want to give uh, Bradley Carnell a lot of credit too because he's been uh, involved in this process. And, and I just think it's important that we as a club try to identify what a player's strengths are and what their weaknesses uh, are. And if we can maximize their strengths and make their weaknesses stronger, um, then we're going to get that player development that we are, um, you know, at an early stage in our history, we want to be known for. Um, And that's certainly uh, a process where the player has to be bought into it and engaged and and committed to it. And luckily, you know, that's the kind of environment we have is where the players are anxious, whether that's sitting down and watching, you know, the video clips that we'll do for them on a Monday uh, after a game or sitting down and uh, Nico will put together uh, some training clips for guys. And then just to have that one-on-one time, um, I think is very beneficial. And and there's certainly uh, a number of guys that have, have done a great job of taking that information on board and then translating that into being better players. Brilliant. And you you had a, an interesting season with regards to the squad. You know, you started with a, a very like a very youthful squad, and as the season progressed, you were like parachuted in uh, new new players from all around the world. Um, how? How impressed have you been with um, the additional players that have come into the squad and what has it been like to integrate them into, you know, like a, a baked system? Yeah, it's been, I describe it as a, you're, you're trying to fill multiple objectives at the same time. You know, you're, we're trying to bring these guys uh, from around the world into St. Louis, you know, get them to build their lives here. And at the same time, you know, ramp them up almost from a, a starting point because they've been off after their season. And so it's a, a little bit of a preseason. And then we prescribe, you know, a, a very intentional amount of minutes per, you know, game for those guys. And we're still trying to win games at the same time. And you have all these young guys, as you mentioned, that have gotten us to this point and um, and they have to understand that there's a, a, a bigger objective than just themselves or our uh, City 2 team. And that means that we kind of have a melting pot of, of several different uh, objectives that we're trying to, to pull off at the same time. I give our players all the credit because that's not easy. Um, that is not easy to do, uh, whether you're talking about success on the field, uh, continuity in terms of style of play, or just that you know on an everyday basis there's an understanding uh, about how we operate um, you know on and off the field within our our club. And so again, credit goes to the players because they've handled that really well. So John, all of these new players um, drop into the squad. Like, do the do the young players enjoy that moment of being around like you know these very experienced uh, like older heads, as it were? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to watch just the look in their eyes uh, when they, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, like, you get Josh Mayer going up against Klaus in training, 
And the look on his face, and you know, Josh is the type that he loves those kind of challenges. But you know, he probably knows himself that this is pretty unique. You know, as a as a kid, he went from playing academy uh, soccer as recently as this last uh, year, and all of a sudden he's up against Klaus and. The battles that they're having in training are are fantastic, and yet, uh, you know, what better way for a, a player to to improve than to test themselves? And so you can see it. You know, um, the other day, uh, Roman was was literally uh, providing a ball to Aaron Hurd in training, and it was a tough ball, and Aaron did well with it. Afterwards, Roman put his arm around Aaron, you know, and just gave him a little encouragement. I mean, these are moments that these guys are never going to get uh, again probably so um i think they realize it certainly we're trying to uh, emphasize that this is a unique situation and that they should take advantage of it and to their credit they are it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing to watch and how do you, how, like how, how is it how is it for you are you, are you enjoying the i mean i don't want to say it's not chaos but i feel like you're you're dealing with lots of different variables at all time or is that just part of being a soccer coach we we talk about you know uh how we operate in the chaos you know um as part of what we do it's part of what the way we want to play uh and when you work with a group of people i mean i want to make sure everybody in st louis knows how wonderful our staff is because we like we we did a great job on the player side i think we did an even, well, equally amazing job on the staffing side because our staff, we just, you know, we work so well together and we enjoy it. So um, whether it's making four West Coast trips in a row and, and being on planes, trains, and automobiles and getting stuck in airports or, or whatever it is, we've managed to have a good time. And I think that's part about building a team and, and having a group of people that understand their roles and responsibilities and kind of just go after it. Um, and again, it is a little bit of chaos, but it's chaos with a, a smile on your face. And at the end of the day, you know, somebody's going to get your back and that's a, that's a lot of fun to be around. John, I know you don't like to uh, hone in on individuals, uh, but I, wa- I wanted to ask this question. Um, a lot of players get plaudits because they score the goals they dazzle on the wings and we have players like that I wondered if you could maybe highlight um, a couple of players that do the work that maybe don't always get um, the, the plaudits they deserve yeah that's tough I think we have a bunch of those Pete um, but I, when you ask that question I think immediately about Ben DeRosa uh, he is a guy that uh, does all of the work every single day plays by our principles, always looks to get better, um, has been super consistent in his performance, and he probably doesn't get a lot of uh, credit for how important and uh, his job and the way that he does things is. Uh, there's other guys, you know, I can think of Akil Watts and Max Schneider, our sixes, uh, that do kind of the same thing. They're the piano carriers, if you will of the team. Um, but, uh, those guys, I think in, within the locker room, within our team, uh, guys know how important they are. Um, there's, there's some guys that aren't seeing the field as well. I mean, there are all these young Academy kids, the sacrifices they've made, uh, to change their whole lives, to be part of a professional, uh, team for the first time. Uh, they deserve a ton of credit. So there's a lot of guys. Uh, and, um, I think that is, something special with a team when when you're when you understand 
what your role is, that sometimes you're not going to get all the credit, but you're certainly going to be uh, rewarded from your teammates and the coaching staff. You spoke about your favorite goal of the season. Um, I wanted to press you to find out, like, is there a favorite moment that you've seen on the pitch that kind of epitomized everything that you're working towards? I, I mean, the goals are the ones that all stand out the most because those are the ones where you just get to kind of unleash all of that emotion, that stress, uh, you know, the anxiety and the all the hard work, you know, the ball hits the back of the net and you just want to, you know, uh, embrace that moment. Um, but then I think as a coach and I constantly preach all the, I call them critical moments and nobody can tell what those critical moments are, but as a player, as a coach, you know what they are. I'll give you an example. You know, earlier in the year, uh, Ezra Armstrong, uh, balls played over the top, and it's just one of those balls that if it goes behind him, we're in some serious trouble. And he reaches as far as he can, and he just gets it off his toe, and all of a sudden, we have the ball back. And it's an example of, like, that's a critical moment. You know, he just prevented the opposition from going deep into our end and where we were going to be on the back foot and now, you know, running 70 yards, Ezra with one touch, and it was a hard touch, but it was so important. You know, there's little things like that that as a coach I try to emphasize a lot because they they are the things that when they start to add up, then you see a team coming together and having some of the stats defensively that we have. And so I can't, uh, you know, that's one that's in my mind, but there's so many of that, whether it's a block, whether it's a, uh, you know, you get a little nick on a ball, whether it's a header, um, whether it's a block cross, there's so many moments like that that are, put them all together, they, they add up to a lot of uh, our overall success. Those those smaller details that you're talking about there that are not obvious to you know most fans, do the players start to celebrate those moments in the you know a half time and after the game when they see them happen? Yeah, especially when you you know that your coach is going to put them on the the video screen on Monday morning and and talk about them, you know. So uh, and. I think hopefully we plant that little idea that they don't want to be the guy in that video uh, review that is like, oh, we should have won this one. Or, um, but yeah, those little celebrations of moments. Um, when you watch our style and when our principles are really strong, you see a lot of those little moments. Um, a lot of them happen against the ball, and we take great pride in, in being a team and a club that is really good on those principles. Um, and Again, that translates to team success. You spent a lot of time with these players um, going all around the, the, the country, you know, spending time on multiple training um, training venues. Do you have like a, a favourite non-footballing moment that you've had with the squad this season? Is there anything that stands out? A favourite non-footballing moment? Yeah, there's... We have a couple things that we do as a group um, to hold each other accountable, and I don't want to give away those secrets, um, but it's part of the the fun that we have when we're together. Um, it's player-led, so they get to be creative uh, in some of these things. Think about Pete, think about fines, okay, and how a team kind of. Uh, uh, hold each other accountable with fines. There's been some pretty fun moments that we've uh, enjoyed collectively as a staff and, and a group um, that for a long time we'll, I'll, I'll cherish. That's awesome. 
Um, and is there is there anything in particular that you've learned about yourself this season? Yeah, I mean, I always think as as a you know, if I'm preaching to have a growth mindset to every player, um, I think I have to lead by example. And so, for sure, you know, this has been a challenging year in a lot of ways. Um, building a new team, you know, trying to build our club for the future. Um, you know, we talked about a little bit, we haven't talked about it in detail, but we've trained in a lot of places around St. Louis so far this year. Um, and that's tested our, our resolve. You know, we've, um, there's been days where we said, okay, we think we're going to this field. Nope, can't go there. We're going to have to travel and, and practice here. And you just have to deal with it. Um, so those, those kind of issues, fortunately, we're in a great spot now. We've opened our new facility. Maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. But um, to get to this point, uh, there's been a lot of those challenges that have uh, pre- presented themselves but have also been things that we just tried to embrace. You know, Embracing the struggle um, has been part of what our group has done all year long. And it, it has been a struggle, and you have like had to take uh, – I mean, I don't want to say you – know, how do I frame this? The new facility that you've got, is absolutely incredible. It overlooks the stadium. The pitches are unbelievable. Inside the building, it's just mind-blowing, all of the things that you've got. How does it feel to go from where you've been yeah. to this, this like, like a spaceship of a training ground? Like, what's Well, before we talk about the new facility, I should probably give Lou Fuse and specifically Dan Gargan a big shout-out because uh, in trying to put this team together, we needed a professional environment uh, to operate out of. And Lou Fuse and Dan Gargan specifically uh, were fantastic partners for us uh, as we worked towards getting into this facility. And that really allowed us to be a team that had operated at a really high level in a lot of little details that we as a club thought were really important to building the team. Uh, And that was really nice. Uh, So thank you to them. But now we're in this new facility and it's amazing. It, um, I get goosebumps just ta- thinking about it, talking about it. We're only in week two of being there, uh, but it is absolutely incredible. Um, and I hope we can just continue to, you know, kind of pinch ourselves every day that we show up and feel so fortunate that we're in a, a, such a wonderful place to work. Are there it's any amazing. parts of the training facility that, uh, that, that you weren't expecting that have been pleasant surprises? I mean, I'm pretty simplistic. So, like, give me a good pitch to play on, you know, good grass, flat, um, ball rolls fairly. Like, that's what I love. And the fact that I get to go out every single day uh, onto the the fields that we have, you know, uh, Josh and the grounds crew uh, down there, unbelievable the job that they've done in a short amount of time uh to make the the field so good um already that uh you know i'm I'm excited to see what happens next but um yeah it's simple for me the fields are are where we do all of our our real work and that's where the magic happens and that's where uh we've all enjoyed the most there aren't many soccer stadiums in the world that overlook the training ground um as a man that's developed lots of elite talent playing all over the world at the moment, what do you think it will mean for those young players looking at that stadium at training every day? Yeah, it's just inception, right? You have you have this 
uh, stadium that's in view of where you're literally plying your trade every single day. And what better motivator is there than to actually have a visual on it while you're doing the work? Uh, that's pretty phenomenal. And we haven't been in there yet, um, And whether it's playing or training, but we're all really anxious about that opportunity. Um, and that will be a, another kind of you know, monumental moment in our club's history. And we know we're part of that, which is special to all of us. Um, Maybe that drives us. Maybe that makes some of these crazy trips we've been on in the month of August, you know, worth it. Uh, I certainly hope so. But uh, nothing can kind of take away that idea of what you want to be other than some of these tangible, you know, realistic, right-in-your-line-of-sight visuals that we have down there at the facility and stadium. Our fans have got a a great connection with you and your team. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what their support's been like um, for the City 2 games this season? Yeah, you know, that just spurred a memory that goes back to an earlier question. You know when the, the Luligans supported their, or had their birthday celebration and Josh Yarrow grabbed the the, uh, the mic and we sang happy birthday to him? Like yeah. after the game, I forget what game that was, but that was a pretty amazing moment. And so organic for a, a group of athletes, you know, to come off a field and then sing happy birthday to their supporters group. Uh, you know, that uh, it means a lot. And I think that has developed that relationship between the fans and the players. So there is some special bonds uh, and, and the support that we've received from them is, is phenomenal. Do you think that fans um, can almost truncate development of players if they feel comfortable in their own stadium? Yeah, uh, I think it's – you look at some of the players – look, Pat Noonan just gave a great um, interview in Soccer America where he talked about growing up in St. Louis. And part of what made it so special for so many players here in the past is that the fans, whether it was a club game or a high school game, you know, they come out and they're they're loud and proud. Whether you go – you know, whether it's SLU playing, you know, there's so many colleges and universities in this area and the support – uh, for all of for soccer in this community, it's the best that there is anywhere in the country. It's been that way uh, for a long time, and we hope that it continues to be that way for the MLS and, and our first team going forward. You're an optimistic guy. Um, you know, when we spoke uh, last year, you had uh, big plans for the city. Now you've been embedded um, in St. Louis City soccer culture, and you've seen the talent from all around. Um, how excited should this city be for the future of soccer? I mean, I think the sky's a limit for us. Um, we have such a special opportunity, and there is nothing that uh, we haven't as a club set out to kind of do at the highest level possible. I mean, I think when any fan sees Centene Stadium, whenever that is, it's going to blow their minds. And then you think about... Um, all of the history of this place and now having, uh, whether it's facilities or a club that represents the highest level of soccer in the United States, uh, there are going to be a lot of good times ahead of us. There'll be some tough ones too. That's part of it. Um, but I, I love where we're at and I love where we're kind of growing. Um, it's, it's certainly been a fun uh, ride to be on it so far. So y- you uh, have taken on you're an interim head coach for City Two. Your your main role is as the director of coaching. Like how how is your role going to um, 
check or not change. I mean, go back to what it was before. Like, what's the like? What are you looking to do? Um, like postseason. Well, first of all, postseason, I want a vacation if Lutz will give me one. Um, but that's to be determined because that guy, uh, he he he's a grinder, uh, just like all of us. And you talk about somebody who leads by example, and we all work extremely hard, you know, for him, with him. Uh, but really, in terms of my role, um, I think that you're going to see me continue to try to build the philosophy and methodology of how we want to play, um, whether that's working with coaches uh, from throughout our club, uh, whether it's helping Lutz and Bradley on a daily basis with every part of the sporting side of, of the business, um, or whether it's even still continuing to coach wherever I'm asked to coach. Um, looking forward to all of those. Uh, it will be nice uh, to have things settled down a little bit. Um, I feel like I've worn a lot of hats in this last year. But again, it's good work if you can find it, and I'm, I'm just thankful that I'm, I'm a part of it. Well, Thank you for all of the time you've given to us. Um, I know you do a lot of press work, um, but nothing quite gets the fans uh, under the skin of the man um, like these podcasts. Um, everybody that's listening will agree with me. Like you, you've you've given a lot of insight into what we're doing. Love your enthusiasm, love your optimism, and love the fact that you've delivered on everything that you said and more. So, um, big thank you from uh, from from everyone listening. That's super nice of you to say. I appreciate it. Not all true, but I'll take it for the moment. So, thanks. Uh, it's great to be with you and and to share this. Uh, just the the love that we have for this club and this team. It's been fun. Awesome. Thank you very much. If you are listening to this podcast, you should give it a five-star review and specifically say that you love the John Hackworth podcast and that he should come back on again and maybe he will pay attention and do that. Um, And on that note, I will say ciao for now. Thank you very much for listening.